Blog Talk Radio. Okay, let me see if I can get my friend Ben on the line. Blessings on you, brother. So preach, brother. What will happen when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not recognized as a unity? If, for example, the society only sees and worships one-sidedly the Father, like our brothers in the East, in Arabia, Islam, a father, religion, then the result is fanaticism. What happens to a society who only one-sidedly recognizes the Son and excludes the Father and the Holy Spirit? like our past historical brothers of the Protestant Reformation and the founding of the Anglo-American West. Then the result is materialism. What is the result of focusing one-sidedly on the Holy Spirit and failing to recognize and integrate the Father and the Son, like our brothers in Russia? the Slavic soul. There the result is fatalism. So we need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three. And so I say this out of this inspiration. There are two manifestations of the great pandemic, the true pandemic. Here are the two manifestations. The first manifestation of the real pandemic that we are experiencing globally as humanity is fear. A pandemic of fear. The second aspect, real, of the real pandemic is submission to authority. It is this twofold pandemic that is currently attacking humanity. It is the true pandemic. Now, how do we break free from it? How we break free from it is to realize that the authority in this world, which uses many different mediums to disperse ad nauseum its message is not a true authority in any sense of the word. Have you read Lord of the Rings, Michaela? I tried to read it. Um, I kept falling asleep. But Are you, did you, were you able to see any of the movies? Yeah, same thing. Sleep. There's a character in this movie called Wormtongue. His name is Wormtongue. 
And what he does in this movie is basically, or this book, is he basically just, he stands behind the king and he just whispers all these lies into his ear all day long. And it poisons the king. It makes him ill and sick. And it actually makes the king turn against his own best interests and his own people. It almost brings his whole kingdom to, to destruction. But Gandalf, the great wizard, comes and awakens the king and reveals Wormtongue for what he is, a traitor. And Wormtongue runs, runs off to the, the evil wizard Saruman and basically allies himself with the evil wizard Saruman. And so basically what we have now, because the Lord of the Rings is actually a book of prophecy, the, we have Wormtongue, which is basically like mainstream media. We have Saruman, which are all the like kind of talking heads that are disseminated through these channels, these so-called authority figures in politics and science and whatnot. Yeah, like they're all the, aspects of the, the thought influencers. Sorry, say that again. The thought influencers. Thought influencers, right. right. But really, they're not thought influencers at all. They're not provoking any kind of real thought. What they're provoking is a kind of simulacrum, a kind of false mendacity, a fakeness, a, a fear. A, they're really putting people to sleep, actually. Yeah, and sleep they're and anger. the exact opposite. Yeah. And it's, now here's the thing. Yeah, it's indignation. Go ahead, you, you talk. It, well, I just want to say quickly, it, indignation is, is sleep. I mean, so if they can get you indignant, and then you're sleeping right there. And yes, and, and it's even more than that. You, they can get you to feel violent. Yes. Violently angry because you see someone who's not wearing the mask. <laughs> and now you're going to go over to them and say, you better turn that mask on, man. You better put that mask on, man. What you going to do, man? And they might get violent and angry at them. You know, it's just like, no, man, like you just lost. You just let the spirit of fear into you. You just let the spirit of authoritarian fear. Now, isn't it interesting? People ask. They look and they study World War II. And they look at Germany. And they look at Hitler. And they look at all the thousands of people, Sieg Heiling, all at once. And they ask themselves the tired old hackneyed question, how could it have happened? Well, now you should have an answer to that. You should have an answer when you look at all the people on the subway wearing their masks. At all the people who are forced or just doing it because they want to or who knows, regardless. And it's not just the people on the subway in New York City. It's housewives that are washing their clothes in New Orleans, from the oil fields in Texas. It's children who are playing in a playgroup in a kindergarten who have to wear masks. It's happening everywhere. Millions, millions of people. It's a global attack on humanity. 
How could it happen? How how could this happen? How could how could it happen? Well, it's because a few evil magicians have cast this spell and they've based it on authority, their authority of materialistic science, which is a total lie. <laughs> it's such a lie. It's like it's it's just corporate money. That's all it is. That's all they care about. Well, well, I mean, you would say it's a lie, but I mean, Richheimer would would say to you, but you know, there are verifiable results. The verifiable results. There's absolutely verifiable results, and they're all around us. It's the twofold. The verifiable result is the twofold pandemic of fear and submission to authority. <laughs> that is the verifiable result, brother. I, I totally agree. It's funny how the scientific method applies to esotericism as well. Absolutely, because guess what? Just as there are laws in the physical world of cause and effect and you know, one thing happening because of another thing, so too in the spiritual world. But it's the we, failure to recognize the supervening cause and effect that that makes people reliant upon or think that they're just being positivists or, you know, complete materialists and and they're being rational, but they're not. They're actually being very irrational. Yes. They refuse to enter into reality. It's a refusal to enter into, when you deny karma and reincarnation, you are refusing to enter into reality. Right. If you deny any kind of, if you think that you can get by through negativity in any manner, you, you are denying reality. Now, this has been my conundrum. I, I recently watched a video where a local Trader Joe's in Santa Cruz was stormed by a group of individuals who didn't have masks. I suggest you watch the video. It's highly edifying. And I felt a number of of conflicting emotions. On the one hand, I felt shame that I wasn't there with them. On the other hand, I felt bad for the the Trader Joe employees that had to enforce the rules and say, like, get out of here, you guys. Like, you can't be here. Like, put on your mask. Like, we're not going to serve you. You know, and all that kind of stuff. So was this in an anti-mask campaign, or was it just spontaneous? It was just like an anti-mask group that just went into Trader Joe's and was like, look, we just want, and they were just like, we just want to buy something, and then we'll leave. And, then, <laughs> and, then the, and the employees were like, we're not going to take your money. Get out of here. Calling the police. They're like pushing them and like, that's assault. Like, don't touch me. They're like pushing them. They're like, wow. And then when, when they put the money down, they wouldn't let them out of the store. And they're like, you didn't pay. And they're like, we put the money down on the counter. You didn't take it. They're like, no, you didn't pay. You should watch the video, man. Holy shit. So <laughs> the problem with that, like, I, and I appreciate their courage and I appreciate like, you know, them standing up to this tyranny, but I don't want to make other people assholes. I was also talking to this guy at the Bad Animal Bookstore in, in Santa Cruz Bookshop, which is kind of like, it has like occult books and like history and poetry and all that. And the owner, Andrew, super cool guy. He was like, this is bullshit. Yeah, I know. But like, and it makes me an enforcer for the corporate medical state. Like, and I don't want to be that. I don't want to like, but if I don't, they'll shut down my store. If I don't go up to someone and say, hey, put your mask on. But like, I don't want to be this fucking enforcer. Like, I didn't sign up for this. So 
in, in a similar kind of vein, like the Trader Joe's people, they're just doing their job. Like they have to be like, put the mask on and get out, you know, and like doing all this authoritarian like stuff and like yelling at them and saying like, you guys, like, fuck you, fuck you assholes. Like, you guys are fucking, so, you know, just like yelling and like people without masks are like, peace and love, brother, peace and love. And they're like, don't touch me. All we want to do is buy something. <laughs> you know, it's just like, so I don't want to turn people into assholes. And so here's what I'm going to do. And here's what we can all do. And we must take a stand. If it's not going to be outwardly like those people, it has to be inwardly. And so I'm going to, with my daily meditation, add this prayer that the, this whole mass COVID nonsense is exposed for what it is, which is really just a ploy to make money for the few and a power grab for the few, and really just like a big spell that an evil lodge that's trying to control humanity is casting upon everybody, that this spell is broken, that people awaken, and that we playgrounds. Like, I, can't, I just can't, like, I can't go to these playgrounds anymore where, where, the, where the, uh, the, the swings have been chained up to the poles, and it says, like, no gathering, no playing, like, no, you know, it's just like... Yeah. It's unbelievable, man. This is such bullshit. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I just can't stand it. It's such authoritarian garbage. I cannot let this happen to our society and to our children. But, yeah. but isn't it just temporary, though, until there's... Nah, isn't it just temporary? Isn't it just temporary, brother? Well, wait a minute. I remember them saying that after the first week. Oh, it's just temporary. And then a month happened. Oh, it's just temporary. <laughs> And then three months. Oh, it's just temporary. And then six months. Oh, it's just temporary. Now a year. Oh, it's just temporary. And now, and now what? Right away, keep... Wait a second. Right away, I was like, this is going to be like a two-year, three-year deal. I mean, I knew it was going to be at least three years. I knew it would. But I thought at the end of three years, I think we'll go back to normal. Now, what, at the end of three years, suddenly the flu is just going to be like, it's going to revert and change into something that it never has before and suddenly not continue to metamorphosis after the thousands of years of flu always metamorphosing every single season? Really? You think that? But this is not a flu. This is the coronavirus, which doesn't mutate as much. The, coronavi- uh, the coronavirus is a, a flu virus. Yeah. Or- well, well, actually, I, I'm not sure if that's the case. I mean, isn't isn't the um, the thing about coronavirus is that it's a different kind of thing, and therefore that's why our bodies are, are not responding to it. Now, what? Now, are you trying to say that this thing doesn't exist as a disease, or is it just that it's something that you can you shouldn't be afraid of, and if you get it, it's probably not going to hurt you. I I just want to get your your view on that. I think it's real. I think it's a virus. It's not what it's not what they're. I mean, there's all these people dying though. That's what I think. For some, yes, but Michaela, every year, people have always died from flu-like symptoms, from flus, and maybe this was a little more virulent because of the fact, and I really believe this, that it was man-made. But it's actually a it's it's actually like one of these. Well, um, they've admitted that it's from a lab, which I thought was interesting. They've already yeah, from a lab. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just amazed that that's been that's common knowledge, and people aren't just like. 
aren't going nuts about that. <laughs> okay, well, here's why, that's, here's why that's common knowledge, and here's why I think some people, at least in the scientific community, aren't going nuts. It's because it's been known for many decades now, and it's actually a kind of philosophical uh, schism that exists between the biological community in this regard. There's one camp that says, look, we have to study these viruses. And so what we have to do is we have to have labs and we have to actually, you know, create these viruses and study them. Because if we don't, um, you know, we won't, we won't know how to like, you know, stop them if they do get released. And then the other camp says, well, wait a minute, you're studying and now potentially going to cause the very problem that you're trying to stop. Right. It's kind of like nuclear weapons. It's like, okay, so, you know, you have one camp that's like, well, we need to get rid of all the nuclear weapons. I'm like, that's great. That's the most sane approach, and I totally agree with them. However, not everyone does. And all it needs is one asshole or one country who are like, oh, all you other guys don't want nuclear weapons? Okay, we'll take them then. Well, the knee-jerk, I thought when it first came, I was like, wait, okay, this is China retaliating against Trump for playing hardball or whatever. It, I mean, he wasn't really, I mean, he was being an idiot about it. But I, I think on some level, like, the Chinese were threatened by the new stance of Trump, you know. And so they, could they have released it as a government? Possibly. I think what happened is this. This is my, this is my hunch. I think they were studying it, studying a strain of, you know, a dangerous flu. As a virus. weapon possibly, or just studying, it, just studying it because they thought, well, maybe the United States is developing something. You know, this is, this is why countries that are enemies study these things, because they're, they're assuming the other country is developing bioweapons, and so they have to study it in order to come up with an antidote against it. So that's the excuse, right? So, like, you know, so, they, so they, they're studying a strain, who knows, either for defense or maybe for offense, I don't know. And then all it, all it takes is like some scientist, it leaks out on his lab coat and he goes outside and it's out. You know, it's just, it, it's that simple, dude. Like it could get released that now. Did it happen accidentally? I think so. Did it happen on purpose? Possibly, but I don't know. I just, I you kind of. Just an accidental thing, huh? I mean, yeah. it's just that, that they're creating this thing. In the first place, though, I mean, it's just we kind of skip over that. We're like, yeah. Well, again, it goes back to that whole debate within the, you know, biological community. There's one camp that says, guys, this is insane. You're studying the very thing that, you know, is going to, if it gets released, like, it's totally crazy. But they're like, well, yeah, but if we don't, then, like, you know, it's just, it's like a catch-22, you know, it's like. Yeah, so like then we got to do it. So. It's like this infinite loop. It's like who's yeah. right, who's wrong. I don't know. Um, which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know. So. Right, but but then it gets taken up by the powers that be as sort of an authoritarian whip, to, and it, it's look what it's done. But I mean, on some level, it has helped the environment. I mean, there's much less pollution going on because people are commuting to work and ridiculously from one place to another when they don't have to. Sure. I mean, I think, yeah, there, there's going to be some, you know, good that comes and nothing's wholly evil, nothing's wholly good. I mean, I suppose like in the world, but. I mean, I think ultimately like you could look at it as the earth kind of just 
doing a self-corrective of some sort. I mean, it has this this disease that's living on it. I mean, it has to create its own antibodies to combat the disease of humanity, right? And that's <laughs> humanity's not a disease, dude. This is not extinction re- uh, rebellion, bro. Come on. You, well, come on, dude. The extinct, the extinct, the extinction rebellion people—they're fucking nuts. The idea is that the that we've been—I mean, look—the the, the market right near there. I mean, they were doing monstrous things to animals. Um, it, it, you don't think there's any connection, like karmically, with all this? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes, you're right. Yes, there is an absolute. It's the karma of, yeah, it's the karma of selfishness, of stupidity, of materialism, of going against nature, of, you know, not being spiritual enough. You know, yeah, yeah, I think so. It's the karma of, of, of just this, I mean, when you look at the outer edges of this, I mean, we live in a very calm part of hell. You know what I mean? If you just look at our society, we've created a hell on earth. And and we didn't have to. We're we're gods. You know, we're we're actually descended like Jesus Christ was like, no, he's not don't follow me. Be me. Are you not gods? Right. He's like, be the son of God, just like I'm the son of God. <laughs> like we're all sons of God. Yep. Like they're like, Oh Jesus, you're the son of God. It's like, no <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so, how how are we going to end this materialist nightmare? It's all. It's through the spirit. It's through the recognition of the spirit, cultivation of the spirit, speaking well, about the spirit. It's first recognizing that you are God. That like you, you are God. Right. And and you're here among your creation, and you're looking at it. Like, you should look at it like a father would, you know? Like, it, yeah. it, everything is, like, basically your your creation that you created. And, like, even the most foul thing is, is from your mind. It's, it's from you. You're the creator. And, like, you came down here to look around in this perspective and to be on this level to manifest yourself here, no matter how fucked up it is. Like, that's your job. Your job is to spread light here, be the fucking God, like, be the shoulder to cry on that you couldn't be as a spirit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hell. I mean, you, you're basically entered into hell. You put yourself down, you're descended into it. And now you're trying to lift hell out of itself into heaven. <laughs> you're basically trying to rescue the devil. Well, and whether the devil gets rescued or not, it will be ultimately up to him. But, I mean, in, in the meantime, well, it will happen. You know. In the meantime, like, you know, yeah, humanity is, has, is, is faced with a choice. You know, we can either turn towards the spirit or we can sink further into the material abyss, you know. And so, and there is, will, that will happen, dude. It's, it's already been prophesied, bro. It's like there is going to be a portion of humanity that, that sinks into the abyss. And there will be a portion of humanity that rises to the spirit. Well, they'll just become disunified. I mean, you just you you become so into the material of the world that you become your molecules just disperse. It's hard. And each little molecule has consciousness, so yep. <laughs> it's fine. But you, the you that this ego, you 
that we know right now. Well, but I understand, you know, when I was uh, developing this time travel thesis, I was coming up with this idea that why did we, why did we develop the ego at all? Like, what was it necessary for? Yeah, because, I, I, I think I, I think I know. Give me, give me your. Go ahead. Tell me what your, tell me what your idea was. This. Well, it just it, 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 we were dealing with chaos. We were in the face of chaos, in the face of just this material world, which is chaotic to a to a spirit being like ourselves. We had to create an an kind of like a fake material world version of our spiritual self as a shield, because it's just like. We, we couldn't completely, we got thrown into this physical world and we we're just like so thrown off by it. And like the chaoticness of it just made us form this sheath around us. <laughs> that was sort of an approximation of what we think our godly personality is, but it's a very petty version. It's pettiness, you know, that's all it is. Ego is pure pettiness, but it had its function. It protected us. It kept us, allowed us to develop inside of it. Now we can take it off, <laughs> but it, I just think it was a birthing canal, essentially, for a higher, a higher being. Um, but it had to, it had to, you had to create a unified being somehow, and that was one way of doing it. Um, and now this consciousness, which was created in an ego, like an egg, has hatched. It either it hatches or it dies, right? It's like but it dies without even being born. But anyway, that's what, what do you think? Well, that's a very good description. I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. Um, and spiritual science can actually back up a lot of what you were saying there. I think one important distinction to make is, 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 to, is that's really helped me is individuality and the personality. And so what is that distinction? Well, the personality is Michele, but the individuality is your all your previous personalities in past lives and all your future personalities in your future lives, and they ride the wave of the individual, which is gonna, which is basically a, enabling that hatching, that temporary ego, so to speak, or personality between life and death. Right. Which okay. happens, you know, over time and over many incarnations. And each one is a hatching into another. I mean, it's like uh, each one is kind of like a further metamorphosis, right? Towards the goal, which is is it now we can understand the goal if we if we create this context that if we go way back to say like your first incarnation or like, you know, the general first, uh, the dawn of incarnating humanity. What we find, according to spiritual science, is that there were not individual egos. That people lived in the group soul. Experience, like the, like, for example, in the Old Testament, when people talked about Abraham, um, they said, I and Abraham are one. And what they meant 
by that, what, the, what, what someone who is Jewish or Hebrew meant by that is that they felt the blood of the original progenitor flowing through them as a group. And they all felt that. And they felt unified as a group in their blood. They actually felt this presence of Abraham, the progenitor, the father of their race in their blood. Well, and they that didn't feel themselves as individuals. That's mostly how animals feel. Exactly. So we, there was a group soul animal consciousness. And what, what, what's happened is that we have moved from the group soul towards individuality. And part of the, the trip and part of the thing that enabled us to do that very thing was the challenge of the material world. Right. of reincarnating and of leading the spiritual world <clears throat> where we were just kind of like one with the universe coming down into a material existence where we were shut off from that in order to develop a sense of individuality. And we have done that. And now what we need to do <clears throat> is return to the spirit, having won our sense of individuality so that we, we can become spiritual individuals. Right. Whereas in the past we were a spiritual group kind of. We were old. just, we're just a, a we were basically a collection of molecules that were just with the one. Right, exactly, exactly. And what we're going to be able to do now is be, we'll be able to be one <laughs> right. and individual. It looks just like this paradox, beautiful paradox. We'll be like free loving individuals who have gained our, 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 our true, like we'll, we, we'll, we haven't yet become true human beings. But Christ, no, yeah. Well. Well, we have to become true gods. That's the thing. Is we're, sure. we're, well, that's, well, that's, yeah, that's what we're headed to. I mean, that's that's, what we're, we are basically gods in this realm. I mean, some of us have, have noticed that. I mean, we're descendants. I mean, that's the thing. It's like whether, whether you look at it as reincarnation or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're being constantly replaced into this sphere because there's trend. They're trying to spiritualize matter. I mean, they've spiritual, you know, the spiritual world is invading the matter. Yep. And, and it's yep. trying to bring it into l- alignment with the spirit. And that's, it's actually very difficult. It hasn't occurred yet, at least not in this moment that we're speaking. It hasn't finished. It's a process. Right. But then there's going to be, there's even a darker nether world underneath the matter that we don't even know about that has to, we have to even go further. That's why they always like, you always refer to hell as below us, but it's kind of below us spiritually. Yeah, yeah. And there is a stream. Um, so Mani, who founded the religion Manichaeism, or, or Mani or Manichaeism, um, that's their particular task, the Manichaeans. Um, and so you might be one of them. And, and their particular task is to basically redeem evil. Like they have a very specific task, which is to basically um, transform evil. It's to, it's to transform the fallen nature, you know, the, the abyss as much as possible. Um, well, and that's a special group that, that is, you know, been working for some time and will continue to do so in the future. That's their special task. But the question is, is like, can the spiritual world ever be without sorrow in the way that our spiritual world was as God? And that's the, the eternal conundrum because it's like, I think it, it necessarily because it's physical has to have sorrow, but maybe not. I mean, why conceive of it that way? I mean, that, that's, that's, maybe it's not inherent. Well, I mean, 
All I do know is that I have, I have experienced pain and sorrow and I think, you know, you have too. And I think it's part of the human experience. Right. But I've also experienced joy. I've also experienced love. I mean, as you know. God self. That's, hmm? It's alien to our God self. Like when we were, in, we're, as gods, we didn't feel it. We didn't understand it. We didn't have to. It wasn't part of our, but as human, it is. And that's the, that's the struggle. Like that's what keeps people from, I mean, gods come down here and they end up losing their, they lose their lives. Like they don't go divinity, despiritualize instead of spiritualizing the matter, the matter materializes them. Yeah. And so that's part of the danger. This is the risk, but this is the risk that we all took and decided to do when we entered in on this trip. And like we knew that that would happen. And so did the, the spirit beings who are, you know, watching over us. They, they knew that it's a risk. And, like, we had the courage to, you know, take that gamble. And, like, we're still, you know, living it out, man. We're still, you know, the the trajectories have yet to totally manifest, right? I mean, it's like the process is still ongoing. And the good news is that with the coming of Christ, Christ brought an impulse to earthly evolution and to each one of us, because he did come for each individual, no matter their race, no matter their creed, no matter their sex, no matter their crime, no matter their karma, he came for all human beings. And they, and that, and by coming to earth and uniting with the earth and by uniting with all of humanity as a result, it gives each one of us the possibility of evolving spiritually and further and karmically cleansing everything that we've done. And actually, you know, through repeated earth lives and through like, you know, more suffering or more learning or whatever you want to call it, more experience, we will become eventually, if we want to, and if we strive for it, we'll become the next, you know, we'll become angels. Basically we will become, we'll no longer need human bodies like in the sense that we have them now, um, well, I think what's going to happen, though, I think. I mean, wait, wait, the, and let me just continue the, continue this picture. And the animals who are in the group soul right now, except for the ones who are around humans, because when animals kind of like are around humans, like they kind of get a little piece of the ego of our kind of humanness. But the next, like the big wave of evolution, like the animals will, they will also metamorphose and they will develop egos. Right. Animals will rise to the realm of what we are now, and we will rise to the realm of what the angels are now. Yes. And I think it's... And it's, so on and so forth. Yeah, and it's always going to be... But the thing is, is that I think that the, the, the world is not going to change that much in terms for us, like, since we're bringing matter with us into the spirit realm... It's not like we're going to leave these bodies like anytime soon. I don't think, I mean, I just correct. You're right. And this is why um, esoterically it's known as the phantom body. And this was the body that Christ manifested in after he was resurrected. So he went into hell and he died on the cross. But when he reappeared to his disciples, it wasn't with his physical body, but it was with the phantom body. And so he's, I think he somehow was able to, he, his, the Christ essence spiritualized 
the very, it, it actually it went into the skeleton. Rudolf Steiner reveals the secret that the Christ was able to penetrate down into the skeleton. And up until that point, no spirit had been able to penetrate into the actual bone marrow or skeleton of the human being. Right. But since Christ was able to do that in the three years that he lived in the body of Jesus, he basically will, he's redeemed and somehow is going to preserve into the future that this amazing creation that of course, you know, took aeons and aeons to create. Right? like the, the human body. It's like the apex right. of all creation. They're not just going to disband it. It's going to be further metamorphosed and brought into the spirit. That's absolutely true. How they do it and how it's going to look, I don't know. But No, but I think, it, I think they were going to make humanity extinct. And then Christ was like, no, 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 look what I can do with this. Check this out. And so basically he's like, I can turn this thing into a spirit. And like he did it. He showed it. He demonstrated it. It's yeah. a yeah, it's, right. And and so it's like it's now a possibility. Anybody yep. can do this, and 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 very few have. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's gonna. It's but we have many lifetimes to go. Like right. the the whole um, when when the the apocalypse is read in a certain way, uh, it basically gives like the whole map. It, it it maps out the whole history and the whole future history of humanity. And we've got like many, many ages to go, like many lifetimes to go. Now that doesn't mean that we can just like mess around and just do stupid shit. Like we really should be serious about it. But at the same time, like we, we've got, we have time. We have time is on our side. We've got many lifetimes with which to, you know, better ourselves, spiritualize ourselves, you know, and, and make up for all of the, the dumb shit that we've done in the past and are still doing and whatnot. And it's, you know, it's going to take a while. But yes, because of the Christ impulse, if Christ hadn't come when he did, then humanity would have continued to sink and we would have been lost into the abyss. Right. It was like, I mean, it was like Noah, he was like the guy then. I mean, there was like this, I don't know what kind of ministry Noah had, but I think Noah was a Christ figure probably. Okay. Yeah. So like, here's what spiritual science teaches about Noah and the whole chosen people. So basically the concept of the chosen people does not mess. Okay. Yes. Historically, the Hebrews and the Jewish race was chosen to incarnate Christ. And so in that term, and, and so in that regard, they were chosen in that respect. However, in a more broad sense, the chosen people have always been throughout history the people who, who have chosen to basically turn against um, a society who has broken the covenant with the spiritual world. And so Noah was chosen to lead a few people and, and you know, a few individuals to the next, or, or to the next, um, he was chosen to found a new culture. And so there's always like a new chosen people throughout history in a sense that have to move away and break away from the, um, the mainstream, so to speak. And, you know, we've seen kind of like little microcosms of that all throughout history. So, so yes, I mean, Noah, he's also known as Manu esoterically. 
and basically like what the 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 Noah story is essentially showing us is the fall of Atlantis, and so it's the last great flood that wiped out the whole Atlantean continent, and what it shows us is Noah as as the Manu or the leader of a certain segment of po- of the population who bef- right before Atlantis was completely submerged and destroyed um, actually did build a boat and actually did sail into what is now modern day Tibet. And they started a new culture, which basically then uh, was the ancient Indian culture of which we don't really have any historical record unless you have access to the Akashic records. And so this new culture this so-called post-Atlantean culture, where the first um, was was uh, created in what is now modern-day Tibet, and it's the ancient Indian culture, and there the seven holy rishis held sway, and they were kind of the, the uh, mm. what is the echo of the Rig Vedas and the echo of you know the whole uh, Krishna consciousness and whatnot are mere echoes of the great Indian culture that arose after the fall of Atlantis. And that's, that's the story of the, of the flood and the, and the Bible myth. It's, that's the end of Atlantis. Yeah. And you can tell like that it goes back so far because they, you, you see basically their, their, their artists, their artists uh, depictions of their gods. I mean, they're aliens, like clearly interdimensional beings. <laughs> right. And spiritual beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but actual, uh, maybe maybe extraterrestrials that look like uh, something. I mean, because it's just like blue skin people, and I I just um, <laughs> yeah, I, right. I mean, I, well, well, here's here's another secret that esoteric science imparts that before the Earth was ripe for souls to come down and to um, incarnate into what kind of appeared as the rudimentary human being. Um, these, most of us, including all of us that are here now, had to go to other planets. Um, and of course, we didn't look like the human beings we look like now. Probably we were, you know, still pretty spiritual and didn't really have, and didn't really have a lot of consciousness. But basically, if we were to begin to kind of feel what it was like to incarnate into matter, we did it on other planets first. Only the most like strongest souls could handle like incarnating during Earth at, at this time, and so it was almost literally true that there was only like one couple on Earth, and that's the kind of the the origin of the Adam and Eve. That, that, that like almost this is almost like literal that there was really only one couple at that time that could actually incarnate um, on the Earth due to the conditions they weren't quite ripe yet, but then. As time progressed, more and more souls found the Earth to be the most habitable and the, and the best place to unfold, you know, the, the whole trip, you know, the whole incarnation into matter. And yeah, so. I'm, I'm sure they've tried through different species and, and aliens and, and humanity. Like they talk about humanity being the most of in God's image um, somehow, like. I don't know how, but but there's some sense in which there's a kinship that God, the gods feel with humanity in a way they've never felt with any other genetic creation. Yeah, I mean, the, the hierarchies are really impressed courage of humanity. Like, they think it's a big thing that we're doing. Um, 
you know, it's it's like it's a big deal. It's like because it's never been done before, apparently. Um, this whole notion of like trading free beans and right now, now music comes into that because music is something that only humans can do and gods can't do it, and so they're in awe of it. You can really, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the music that we do, yeah, you can only do it down here, yeah. right? And and so, but you know, there there are like we have allies, for example, up in the upper regions, right? Basically, yeah, sure. I used to be our buddies are there. They're looking down and they're like, oh, let's throw this guy a bone. But they they look at you can actually ask. It's 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 as easy as calling a friend, right? I mean, you just say, hey. Help me out here. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The dead want to want to contact us, want to be acknowledged. Um, you know, and we send a prayer out to our ancestors or people who have passed over, friends who have died. You know, it's 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 real, man. They're there. You know, it helps them. It nourishes them. It's um, and it creates a connection. It creates a way for them to, you know, perhaps. Uh, influence things here down on earth, you know, spirit works in mysterious ways. Well, I'm just talking also about where we came from. We came from heaven and some of yeah, the gods. Right, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Some of the gods stayed there. It's like, you know, I, I picture people like looking at over into a, off a cliff into a river. And this is just a river of creation. Right. And like mm. some of the gods decided to just like dive in, man, see what happens. Yeah. And some were just like, you know what? I like it up here, you know. Like I don't want to, want to. But because because what happens is, it's like a journey. Like you, you know, it 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 could be like a couple hundred years, and then you come back and you're like, wow, that was exhilarating. Like, like that was crazy. <laughs> I'm going again. Well, yeah, it, yeah, and like some of the some of the beings like in the hierarchies, like they went through their human experience earlier at earlier um, universal ages, like long before even the Earth was created. So, like right. there's exalted beings that have gone through the stages that we're you know going through long yeah. ago. They're already like they're just. I mean, we can't even conceive of them, you know, it's just like... Well, you know where they are, you know, with some esoteric philosophy, like Gurdjieff, he said basically they live on the sun, the sun is a planet, and the pe- those beings on the, on the planet, uh, the sun planet, <laughs> are, so, are so light that they basically shine, they give us energy, like they're, they're, they're on another level. And Absolutely, yeah, they're, so, they're known as the Elohim. They're the sun spirits, and there were seven of them. Six of them went to the sun, including Christ, and then he came, he left the sun and came down to earth. And then one of them is Yahweh. He went to the moon. So he's the moon spirit of the Old Testament. And, well, Gurdjieff said that the sun, the way the sun appears to us is the way that the earth appears to the beings that live on the moon. That's essentially like we're the light. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Like the moon is actually a a budding planet um, that's that's uh, that's receiving its nourishment from the Earth, um, and it's like if he calls it the, the ray of creation, and it just mm-hmm. stands out from the moon to the sun, and the sun itself is <laughs> is, is being um, sun is being warmed by an even bigger 
planet of beings. Um, and it's just like, if you're looking, if you're just trying to be a normal human being and just walking around, like you're talking about these masks and things like that, like it's frustrating because it seems like they're going to cut off. They're, they're, as much as it's helping the environment, it's, it's, it's really fucking people up mentally to have this pandemic thing going on. Um, and it's, we don't even know the kind of damage it's doing psychologically and like just to the society uh, we might. And, and I, I see what you're fearing is like, we might never recover because I do think a lot of people think, Oh, this is, they just keep telling themselves it's temporary. And so that they did. And that's part of the, the, the danger of just dwelling in this. Cause it's, it's not because the they keep changing the goalposts. If you notice, um, you know, they're like, well, as soon as we get the vaccine, you know, everything should be pretty much back to normal. And then they're like, oh, now there's all these new strains. <laughs> so basically they're saying, oh, maybe these vaccines won't work at all. So that kind of extends it indefinitely, you know. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. I just got a message from, sorry, I just got a message from Joel Richheimer. No shit. So listen, like what I'm going to do is I'm going to suggest we all Zoom together. Did you really get a message from him? Yes. But did you, how, how does that, did you, uh, did you contact him? I contacted him and I said, hey, Joel, like I had a dream about you because I did have a dream about him like a few <laughs> days ago. And then That's funny. Like, it was a totally trippy dream, dude. It was, it was like, dude, it's seriously trippy. And so he's like, all right, where are you, man? I'm like, California, you know, like, just, like, just call me or Zoom or whatever, dude. And so, like, uh, when I get in touch with him, I'm going to say, hey, yeah, why don't we Zoom with you, me, and Michaela? That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious, bro. Uh, but we'd have to uh, really come up with some good material for this guy because he's a pretty – he doesn't, it's weird. He doesn't have a lot of patience, you know, for like bullshit, um, even though it's not bullshit, but he's not as um, willing to go down these roads as we are, you know? Well, so, well, well, that's part of my message to him is basically like philosophy died. That was resurrected as anthroposophy. And like philosophy what? is a prep. Philosophy is basically a preparation for spiritual science and for, for what's known as esotericism or whatnot. Like that's the only way now that, that we can actually, really the only way philosophy is relevant is like, is if we pick up. That was Nietzsche basically. Nietzsche was just like, look, Plato killed philosophy 2000 years ago. And you guys have been like fucking its corpse over and over again. He's like, let's go here. Let's. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and as great as Nietzsche was, and I love Nietzsche. He's so amazing and great. Um, he apparently he failed. His mission was to actually bring the teaching of karma and reincarnation, but it failed and he distorted it into the um, eternal you know, forever return. Eternal return. To- right. Because that was a materialistic failing or, reinter- or interpretation of reincarnation. And so, yeah, he kind of failed on, on one level. Because he was supposed to spiritualize Europe through, you know, esoteric ideas. He was supposed to be a channel through which. But, like, he went crazy. Like, his, like his, his, um, 
you know, he he had some. Valentin Tomberg just described it like he, his perception became involuted. And so, like you know how normally like we see like the outer world out here, and then we have like our soul world like within us in a sense. You know what I mean by that? Of course. It was it was it it became inverted for Nietzsche. Like that, like he saw his soul world projected out into like what we see in the three-dimensional world. And then the three-dimensional world was taken into like his, what normally is for us, like our soul. So like, and that, and he couldn't handle that normally. I mean, of course he couldn't handle it. Like imagine if you were like on a psychedelic trip and like your whole shit got inverted, (laughs) but like it stayed like that. Like that's what happened to Nietzsche. Well, that is kind of what happens when you do go on a bad trip. So um, I think he just ended up going, yeah, mad. I think he, yeah, he he stayed like that, right? He he, he actually became a madman, but but I think his uh, his his general idea was that that truth is more like a woman that you must seduce and charm than it is something that you were going to arrive at with your lab coats and your microscopes. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, he was definitely on the way because, like, yeah, he he definitely saw. I mean, if, if his attitude was more about science was more widespread, which is not to say that he was anti-science, but he was just against the whole bullshit science, which is like, well, it, what you're saying. I mean, it's like this this positivistic, non-spiritual. Yeah, nonsense. It's just such bullshit. One-sided. Yeah, even though he didn't like religion either because he saw that also as... Right, and that became all bullshit too. Right. It became another version of it. Yeah, yeah. And and, and science... Totally. He saw science as becoming basically the new religion and then yeah, yeah, just yeah. as deleterious to life. And his yeah. whole thing was life, dude. Life is the most important thing. And science is like, if it doesn't support life, then fuck it. Same with religion. Uh, and that's why he wanted to get rid of both of those things. Or not really get rid of them, but just kind of have a, a supervening thought of life as the as the goal. Like aliveness, feeling alive, feeling feeling good, you know, basically. Like, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, and so, I mean, I, and, and I think Rudolf Steiner was one of the few people who actually understood Nietzsche actually you know, read all of his works and, and wrote an amazing Nietzsche, yeah, Fighter Against. Fighting for Freedom. Fighter for Freedom or whatever it is, yeah. And and basically Steiner, like, took took Nietzsche and, like, you know, took the ideas further. And I think took them to a positive fruition, like, in the sense of, you know, saying, like, what are the, you know, let's take, let's take science and let's take spirituality and let's create spiritual science. And right. let's create the best of both worlds. And like, let's take the best of what's in science and the best of what the spirit has to offer in the sense of what human beings have made of it. And let's synthesize it and let's take it further. And let's like, let's keep going. And let's like, let's, you know, yeah. develop all ourselves to the highest, like all of our sleepings, um, all the, the faculties that slumber within us. Like we truly are supermen if we work at it and if we develop ourselves, you know, like in the most positive sense of the word. Right. So, that's why, that's why we had to go through this industrial, like horrible 
revolution where yeah, we yeah, piled the earth and everything. Yep. We, we had to become, we had to learn the scientific method so that we could not create these technological advances, but to, to engage with our newly built logic machine in spiritual science and, and to use it to figure out the, the key to it because it's, it's so much easier. It's like, why, why we're trying to arrive at like Nirvana, you know, you, in this society, everyone's trying to arrive at Nirvana through material gain. It's, like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's like, yeah, you're not, not going to happen. <laughs> in fact, it's going to take you further away from it. Um, um, it, it, I've noticed too that people's like the way how people feel is is directly related to how much money they have inversely. Mm. Like the more money you have, the more you are angry and the more you're fucked up. And I don't know how that works, but I notice it. Like I don't notice. I, yeah. I don't see happy rich people. I, I I've not seen one yet. Um. But. Poor people, I see a lot of happy poor people. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm striving for balance. Like, I, I'm trying to make a little bit more money. Kids, I can, like, buy them, like, you know, send them to camp and buy them, like, basic kind of things, like bikes and whatever. But, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Like, yeah, it's, it's – I think there just needs to be, like, a balance. Like, there's, there's, there's an imbalance, like, the whole, like – you know, millions and billions of dollars. It's so crazy. Like, that's just so nuts. Um, but then what I also don't like is, like, people who are dirt poor and who are just, like, on the streets. Like, that's nuts, too. You know what I mean? So there's got to be some sort of balance. Of course. Yeah, no, but that's a, that's a whole other realm. It's like, I'm just talking about, like... No, no, that's a good insight. Yeah, more, I'm saying, yeah, of course, if you have everything taken care of, like, you're already rich. That's the whole point. Like, you don't need any more than you need. Right. And, and, and materially and spiritually, like the more you think you do is kind of like you're veering off from what the original spirituality is because you, you have to first know that you don't need the shit. <laughs> like <laughs> you, otherwise it's going to just devour you. Yeah. it will. Yeah. And then you can go from there and you can be like all right like i i'll you can accumulate as much as you want at that point if you realize that you don't you but i don't know what happens what happens to most people is the more they accumulate the more they like lose sight of that whole thing and they start thinking that it is them and they start thinking that their money and them are equals and that they're actually the same thing yeah um so it's, it's a warped system but it's it was necessary for us, like like you said, like it gave us all these tools of thinking structures to engage in. I mean, even just the technology itself, dude. That we're we're sitting in like houses now, yeah. and not not huts, and not being hunted by animals, and so now we can like sit and meditate. It, and and I guess that was why we did it. But now we can now we can meditate and and fix it. Yeah, because we abused it on our way here. Yeah, a lot. And that's what this fucking disease is, man. It's just basically like years and years of abuse. It's like finally gonna come back and get us. 
But yes, it will. But I mean, it's well. Here's 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 something that I think is interesting. Like, you have true and false, in kind of you know just like a a, a general sense. Like, is it raining outside? Like, either it is, you know, it's true, or it's not. It's false, right? And then the true and false on a, on a, on the next level, it turns into right and wrong, on a higher level in a sense. It, it, there, there, it takes on like a moral element, and then. If you if you metamorphose, okay. So first it starts out as true and false. Then it metamorphoses to right and wrong, and then it metamorphoses to a higher thing, which is health and illness. Right. And so like that's how karma is going to get played out. Like the more you know healthy you are, the more you know. And what I mean by that is like just trying to be like a moral person trying to do the right thing, you know, like in succeeding, the more healthy you'll be, like the more healthy you'll be physically, mentally, and spiritually, like now and for, you know, for the rest of your existence. And, and by the rest of your existence, I don't just mean the end of this earth life. I mean like the whole rest of eternity. Cause, uh, cause I do believe we are immortal. We're going to keep, you know, metamorphosing and evolving. So how the, the quality of that metamorphosis, the quality of that evolution is really up to us. It's up to each one of us. It's like, you know, and we're just doing one step at a time, I think. And, and, but, but do I think have that, that realization that, you know, it does make a difference to try to strive to, to be a moral person or a good person or do the right thing or like try not to like, you know, yell at your kid, you know, when you're frustrated, but, you know, just like ask them, you know, take take an interest in them, or like try to be patient with them, or whatever it is. Well, any type of negative energy, man, like just understand that it's you're you're asleep. You know, you're like a sleepwalker, and you woke up and you got mad. It's not even your fault. It's just it's like it's not you're not responsible actually in those moments because you're not in control. That's not you. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's not the real you. It's not the true you. It's not the, the you that you should be, you know, uh, manifesting. And and the you I that think, people came for the you that the you that looks back on it and is like, oh man, that's horrible, and feels guilty, isn't the you that was doing it? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like it's kind of stupid to feel guilty for shit because you're just like, it wasn't you, man. It was it was some other version of you, you know, like. Some plus, angry, petty yeah. ego. It was your ego. Yeah, plus, like, you know, as Nietzsche said, like, don't make two mistakes. There you go. And everyone, also, huh? But everyone does. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, but the thing is, is, like, you know, all the mistakes are compensated for immediately. If not, like, I think they're either compensated now. Well, yeah, they have to be compensated for now. But you have you know to be. To beg forgiveness. I mean, that's what the whole forgiveness is. That's why it's like you have to actually acknowledge it. You have to yes. be aware and yeah, say acknowledge it and stop doing it. You know, and it's change, just which takes time. Yeah, like you keep yourself, you keep an eye on yourself. You know, and and you don't sugarcoat it, and you don't you don't live in denial, but at the same time, you don't live in guilt. Because it's like you're learning, man. I mean, that's the whole point. You're not going to get everything perfect. 
Of course not. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, none of us are. And and here's here's another secret of occultism. Like say like you do a lot of damage to someone. Like say like a murderer, for example. Like how are they gonna like um, redo their karma? How are they gonna like you know adjust their karma and get that equal? Well, it turns out that apparently, according to spiritual science, like you can actually you in the next life can actually take on and enter into the body of the person that you harmed and actually like suffer then kind of the things that um, you caused in a sense. Yeah. And so it frees them. They can go into a different body and, and you then like, so the point is, is that like, no matter what we do, there's always like a chance to make up for it. Now it might happen like in a future life, there might be like, you know, if someone might live a, a really incorrect life, it might take a few lifetimes to like readjust and to kind of like make up for it in a sense. But the point is, is that we do have time, we do have chances, and there are lots of creative ways in which the angels and like our interactions with others can be arranged so that we um, are able to, you know, square square the books, so to speak. Oh, yeah. And murderers, I mean, murderers have completely done 180s and can just yeah. completely change everything. Absolutely. Murderers have become like some of the biggest like spiritual beings that have ever existed. Um, well, I mean, in a, we probably all are at this point. Like probably each one of us has fought in a war, killed people, right. probably raped, probably has like, you know, gotten in fight. I mean, at this, everyone has, everyone is stained at this point in humanity. What, we all have. Like, no one's, you know. That's the whole point. We're all saying. I mean, except Christ. I mean, like, but. Well, even he was. I mean, his human form was. No, no, he was, no, no, it it couldn't be because um, he, he didn't have to come back. Christ's uh, second emergence or the so-called second coming is not a physical incarnation. He doesn't have to reincarnate again. He only comes once. Like well, literally, the the three years now, the Jesus figure maybe, but the the actual Christ that was in Jesus for three years, that was karmically perfect. Didn't do anything. I see what you mean. I, of yeah. course, of course. The but, being that allowed Christ to come into him, that that being was an actual human being who who over many lifetimes like purified and like you know became an experienced initiate. Um, Right. And of course, you know, it was a sin just like anyone else, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But probably not as much as most people because, and because he was, he was very conscious of it. Like he said on the Sermon on the Mount, like it was ultra important to be free of sin if you want that God consciousness to come into you. Right. Um, and the, yeah. And so we're working towards that. You know, it's like, it's, and again, like speaking of murderers, like, you know, when, when Christ hung out with the, the, the tax gatherers and they criticized him, he was they're like, Why are you hanging out with those guys? He's like, <laughs> Well, that's who I came for, guys. I came for the sinners, I came for the you know the murderers, for the you know, the people <laughs> so the whole point of, of him him coming was, was because they're a murderers, because they're you know Yeah. That was the they, whole point. <laughs> 
Oh boy! I mean, even dead people, he's coming for them. But, uh, but yeah, I think his his. Uh, but and, and but I also think that he was he was trying to be an example more than a a god that somebody that you would follow. I think he he really wanted you to be like him instead of follow him and and believe in him. I mean, it's just like I think he would rather you act like him than even believe in him. Um, yeah, I mean, for initially, I, yeah, I don't think, yeah, because I mean, I know lots of people who are really good people. They don't have any connection to Christ. But like what I what I tell them is like, you, you do, like, because you're a good person. That's what it means. It's not like there's all kinds of people who like call themselves Christians or say this and that about it, but they're jerks. They're not <laughs> quite Christians yet. And then there's all like, I know Jewish people who are like, you know, they they don't talk about Christ or anything like that but like they're truly good people and so like they are actually and, I'm, and I point out to them I'm like well actually that's that's what I mean about Christ like you embody those things like you're a good friend or you're you know a good person like that's that's truly what it means I think in the, in the universal Christian sense it's not it's not really a religion no it's just this fact the spiritual fact that happened on the earth this God came down totally changed the whole evolutionary course of, of the world and all of humanity. And like, there was a religion that tried to like kind of understand that that developed out of a cult around this person. But that was just kind of like an attempt at trying to understand it. And like, we're still trying to understand it and we're still trying to understand it for thousands of years to come. It's still like something just, just barely germinating and growing really. It's only just begun. Right. It's very it's early. Not even like, yeah, it's not even like, and so, and, you know, Rudolf Steiner even goes so far to say, like, all the documents could be destroyed. Like, all the Gospels, all spiritual writings, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the whole essence of Christ is not to be found there anyway. Now, it, it, it is in a very fundamental, like, deep sense. And, like, the, the writers of the Gospel are very amazing and all that. But his point is, is that, like, Christianity is so much more than that. It's so much more, you know, not dependent upon it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a whole different uh, paradigm shift. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, each age, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I gotta go, but um, I was good. Good. I was like this. What you said, man, it helped me out because um, you know Dude, I, you could inwardly pray for this to end and for humanity to regain its senses and for us to like use this as a a way, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So let's use this as a way for further awakening, for further evolution, to wake people up. Let's get, like, let's create a space for people where, you know, like, where people can be creative and where our children can feel free and not be around this weird society where adults are wearing masks and, like, people aren't socializing with each other and there's no music and no art. Like, this is wrong. We can't continue to let that happen. You have to fight. And I think the best way to do it is through, for me anyways, is inwardly, esoterically, through prayer, through imagination, through just, you know. And you um, say, and just praying and just visioning it away. Yeah, and just, you know, and, and also talking to people about it and like saying like, hey, I'm concerned about this. Like, I don't want it to be like a right or a left thing. I don't want it to be about like, I'm a bad and you're good and whatever. Just like, let's let's look at this from like a human point of view. Like, let's really look at what's happening here. <laughs> let's all agree that like, 
there's certain things we've lost and we want to make sure we can get back. You know, like, anyways. Yeah. We want to be able to have like a big concert with a lot of people, you know. I mean, yeah, and not just get rid of fear and wearing masks. I mean, think about it. Like, think if like you, like twenty years ago, suddenly had this vision of what the world is going to be, and saw all these people walking around with masks, and like there was no music, and like everybody was like afraid. You'd be like, "Fuck, we got to do something." It's like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, man. We got to like. Oh no! But we did that, like in a sense. We just now, what we have to do is go back to college and then stop this from happening. So. Well, there is, there is a school in the spiritual world that you can go to. I mean, I've been, I've been attending it for some time now. Um, and it's like, it's there. And so they'll teach you certain things and, and it's. No, I know um, that. That's my yeah. whole, that's the whole thing, man. Like I, I did actually see this. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so I made it, actually made it a lot less bad, okay? Because it was, it was going to be worse. But All right, well, we have to keep doing this to... to, to so we have know. to go fix some other things. I, we almost got it right because right now we reduced it from a thousand-year mask wearing to, <laughs> like, ten years. So now we just got to go back and, like, fix it a little better. You know? um, All right, well, let's do it. Think about what we got to do. Let's 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 do some meditation tonight. I, I want to do some sex magic, you know, like trying to bring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. Later, Lone Hawk. Peace, bro. Peace and love.